Thank you for pulling into the Hope Station. I am your host, Diane Bells. The Hope Station is a place to hear amazing interviews, great transformational stories, and learn about the power of faith and hope to change your life. A podcast that proves living purposefully is possible. Are you ready for your own transformational story? Do you want to turn a new chapter in your life or career? There's hope. Schedule a free consult call with me to stop feeling hopeless and gain the hope you need to have the life you deserve. Information of how to schedule that appointment is in the show notes. You can also connect with me through my website, Diane Bells, uh, D-I-A-N-E-B-E-L-Z.com. Are you ready for another great interview? Hello and welcome to the Hope Station podcast. I am your host, Diane Bells, and today my guest is Chris Castro, who I have the privilege of being in a women's leadership group with, and I had asked Chris to come in because she shared several times her story of hopelessness and how she turned to a program called Celebrate Recovery to help her move away from hopelessness into really uh, being in a place that she's not only bringing hope to others with her company, Shift Inc., where people experience more of what you are seeking. So she's helping others have a greater, more purposeful and meaningful life. Thanks so much, Chris. I got the chance to talk to you. Yeah, it's fun being on the other side of the uh, microphone, so to speak, than I'm used to with you. Yes, I know. And it it is fun just to have these conversations, get to know someone and just see the joy and so much of the life that you have. And then to think like you were at the point of hopelessness makes my head hurt. So why don't you just start us with your journey of hopelessness and then how you got to this place of being a joyful just purposeful woman. Sure. Well, most of my life, I'm pretty, pretty happy-go-lucky, always fairly positive, optimistic, joyful, whatever, um, you know, for most of my life. And then I ended up in a situation where things completely drastically changed. Um, it was the type of situation where wouldn't change. I desperately needed it to change. I could, I had no control in the situation and everything that I did to try and make it better fell on deaf ears. Um, and not only that, there was, um, verbal attacking, like it was just a mess, this situation and nothing I was doing was working. And I couldn't, change it. I couldn't fix it. I was mad at God because no prayer that I prayed made any difference. And over the course of about a year and a half of being under this oppressive situation, I really just lost myself. And I ended up in this really strange survival place where I was no longer living. I was surviving. And I ended up getting so emotionally broken, I just couldn't function really well. I was really good at compartmentalizing, where I would be able to do what I had to do to get through the day. 
I would have meetings. I would do all the things. But internally, I was desperately struggling, sad, just awful. But on the outside, no one knew because I had to function. I had to do what I had to do. And I would go home to bed at the worst point of this situation. I would go home and get into bed and just pray for God to take me home. Like, I'm I'm just going to lay here and go to sleep, God, and please, I don't want to be awake in the morning. And that happened for about a month and a half. And every morning when I would get up and take my first breath, I would be like, really, God, I'm still here? Like, seriously, God, if you're not going to fix this situation, will you just take me out of it? Right. And then one day, um, I completely lost my ability to manage me well and ended up just exploding in anger. And I scared myself to such a point that I knew something was wrong because I didn't know I was capable of that kind of rage. And I didn't know that I couldn't stop it. I literally watched myself leave my body and explode in rage. And when I came back to myself and realized what had happened, I knew I needed help because I had become this person that I didn't recognize anymore. And so I spoke with a friend of mine and she suggested Celebrate Recovery, which I thought, you know, like a recovery group, well, you have to be addicted to alcohol or drugs or whatever. And she's like, no, Celebrate Recovery is for any kind of baggage. It doesn't matter if it's emotional, if it's physical, whatever. It's a place you come and you work with Jesus to kind of process through all of your stuff and get to a place of joy and fulfillment in him. And they use the 12 step process that recovery programs use to help walk you through it. And it's all tied to verses and biblical principles. And I knew I needed help. And so I happened to find a CR, um, Celebrate Recovery, a CR location, like right near where I lived. That was happened to be meeting. And I say happened laughingly because, you know, this was a divine appointment. You know, God set it up so I could go the next day. And it ended up being the first day of the most effective way for me uniquely to find myself again and find that peace, joy, hope and fulfillment that I needed to get back to again. When you're just when you're saying surviving, it's almost when you get to that point that you your your body's that fight or flight. And it sounded like for so long that you've been fleeing inside of yourself. You kept on burying, burying, burying. So it's almost like you're stacking TNT into your body. (laughs) You know, I'm just burying it and it has to come out eventually. And it came out in this, like you said, this explosive moment of anger that you couldn't even believe that you were capable of such a thing. That had to scare the living daylights out of you. Just to it, say, it, it's not who I am. How did I get here? Yeah, it's exactly like that. And it, I mean, there had been anger all along. Like I was never quiet about how I was feeling, being treated. Like I was never quiet about that at all. 
But the level of rage had escalated to such an uncontrollable point at that moment. That's what scared me. Well, it's almost like you felt powerless because nothing was changing. Yes. So this rage was a the voice of power coming forth. <laughs> like, yes, it was. Unhealthy in maximum. <laughs> yes. Well, what... Why do you think that you you got there? What allowed you just to say, I'm just going to stuff it. I'm going to bear the situation. I'm going to stuff it. I'm going to talk about it. Nothing's going to change. I'm going to pray about it. Nothing's going to change. What really needed to change, Chris, within you? As I discovered when I was going through the CR program, I had expectations of the change process that weren't realistic. (laughs) Um, I expected the person that I was having this challenge with to be rational, to own their stuff, to um, see what they were doing, and the blindness, the inability to do so baffled me i i just i didn't understand nor have any framework for that kind of inability to see what was happening and secondly i expected god to fix it (laughs) and it didn't get fixed and that angered me because I'm a child of God, like I shouldn't be treated this way, like whatever, like there were a thousand things I was saying at the time. And not having it fixed, despite praying so desperately for it was confusing. And what I had to learn over the course of my kind of recovery process And this happened in the fourth step, um, fourth, fifth, sixth. I don't know. It was probably the sixth step, whatever this step is when you're, and I can't remember because it's been a while, when you're seeking amends to people, I recognized I had to say amends to God because the entire time up to this point, I had been so heavily focused on his fathership in my life that I had forgotten his lordship over it. And that switch was significant to my recovery. I absolutely had to understand, know, and accept that God was not blind. He saw what was happening. God was not uncaring in that he left me in that situation. But he was Lord, and there was a reason he didn't fix it at that time. And that mindset shift was the start to me coming out of my brokenness and hopelessness and ended up leading me into this incredible journey of finding a new perspective of God, um, of understanding. I still don't believe in a theology of suffering, which is, you know, that God is purposely doing things to you. But I do know that certain things can't be learned in certain ways and that God will use 
things that he he can't control because of our free will. Like God isn't going to just change things. He you have to have free will to change. Right. And but he used that really horrible situation to grow me in ways I never would have grown. And I can look back now and thank God that I went through that when at the time I was angry at him for being in it. I think that that's where we do have this perception that God works for us. He's there to make our life happy and pleasant and everything go our way. And, you know, it comes back to verses. My thoughts are different than your thought, higher than your thoughts. And my ways are different than that your ways. And God does allow things to be there because he wants more from us. He wants that more that you talk about in your your shift business. He wants that more for us and we can't see. We want to stop feeling a certain way. And he wants us to stop being a certain way. You know, he wants us to be more like his son. And when you're doing that, when you're expecting, like, here's Christ saying, you know, your will be done. And, you know, I've been in that same situation that I, I begged God to change people. And he never changed them, but he worked a good thing in me. <laughs> so, so talk about the good thing that he was working in you, Chris. Yeah, there's just been so much um, fruit from that situation. If I had not gone through that and had not switched over to more of a lordship focus, you know, he's still my daddy. I can still crawl on his lap. I still like all of that daddy stuff is still there, but there's a different aspect to it and an easier switch to lordship when things don't make sense, when things are confusing. Um, and not only that, if I had not learned all the things I learned during that situation, I wouldn't be positioned to do the work that I'm doing now to do the um, uh, just ministry I'm doing now because I had to get to the other side of it so that I could support and help others in their own situations. And I love that. I love that he does, he, you know, works within us so that we can help people journey to the other side, you know, that we we've learned it. And sometimes we have to learn it the hard way. And for most of us, it's the only way it, like it, you, you just go back into any story within the Bible and everyone had hardship. Everyone had a challenge. Everyone had something within their character that was just really keeping them from that closeness with, with Christ. It just, it's a separator. When we want things our way, I think for me, it, be, it had become an idol. Like I wanted the perfect marriage. I wanted perfect children. I wanted the perfect career. And for me, that meant it would be stress-free and <laughs> no complications, no issues, no conflict. And I don't know where that came from. Some feeling of like utopia exists here on earth. And the frustration is so much there. Like, how dare you, God, let this happened to me. And that's where, you know, just getting into the Bible and seeing all the things that had happened to, you know, his people. And whenever we turn our back on him, in some ways, or put something 
in front of him or above him. The importance of having this relationship and the circumstance fixed becomes in some way an idol that we then we have to shift and say, I want, I want you to be, I want to be Lord of your life. I'll be your daddy, but first I want to be your Lord. And it was that, that some of the shift that you had to make is like you said, taking away the expectations. I have to do things differently because there is brokenness here. Yeah. Yeah. And not only that, the Lord wants us to be at peace in chaos yes. and uncomfortable situations. And that was another really big lesson that I learned. I had always been able to do that, but never to that degree. And now on the other side of that situation, I can really walk through almost any type of uncertainty with this supernatural degree of peace that I've never had before. And that, of course, leads me to more calm and joy and fulfillment. Um, you know, and the one really crazy thing that happened to me over the last couple of years, and I've shared this story with you, is that crazy adventure across the United States, right. where on the other side of my recovery, the Lord asked me to pack up everything I owned and just leave and get in the car, but he wouldn't tell me where. <laughs> Lisa, and I got I'm the like, clue. <laughs> and I'm like, well, where am I going? And who does that? That's crazy. But he had been preparing me for that adventure throughout all of that stuff. And if I had not said yes to that journey and traveled 14,000 miles over three months across the United States, it would not have positioned me to have that deep peace, fulfillment, and joy. Because now, regardless of whether or not I have $5 in my checkbook or $500 in my checkbook, or there's a situation around me that is chaotic and uncertain, I can stand, not that I have no emotions, because I'm human, I do, but I can more quickly and more easily switch from any anxiety, frustration, anger, sadness, whatever, to, all right, Jesus, I know you have this. I don't get it. I don't like it. I don't understand it, but I trust you are doing what needs to be done and that it's all going to work out at some point. Either I'm going to figure out how to get through it okay, or you're going to change the situation. But either way, you're Lord and I'm going to be okay. I love that because there is, when you can get to that place, no matter what's going on, and I, I can feel it. There's been situations over the last couple of weeks with my family that I can, you know, want to go back to that old operating system that I, I have to worry. I have to be anxious. I have to be desperate. I have to be something. I have to feel this emotion where I'm saying, Why? <laughs> You know, there's no fruit from that. Who benefits from that? Nobody. My health doesn't. My faith doesn't. No, no one benefits from that. But when you can get to that peace and that reliance that God's got this and trust he's going to do something good through it, whether we like it or not, it's just saying I'm, I'm releasing everything in my life to you because you are the Lord of my life. And what a difference it makes. So why, 
what were you doing traveling 14,000 miles? Just, I always wanted to do the dye, dye, what is it? <laughs> Drive-ins, diners and dives with my husband trip. We never got to that. That's the kind of trip I wanted to go on. Get an RV and just stop at these places. So what was your journey about? Well, my journey was somewhat unknown. I just knew I was practicing hearing the Lord's voice. It was one of those kind of, all right, Lord, I'm just going to go where you tell me to go and assume that there's a divine appointment and assume there's something you want me to do. And it, it was really cool because there were several times in that journey that I didn't know whether to go east or west, north or south. I didn't know how far and I didn't know where I was going to eat, where I was going to sleep. Like there was so much unknown, but, and I called up a bunch of people that I knew and I'm like, I might be in your state and I might need somewhere to sleep and eat. And maybe can I stay with you for a day or two? And so, and they were all like, Chris, you're crazy. I'm like, yes, but you know, well, I'm just doing what Jesus says. <laughs> And um, I ended up seeing a lot of people that I knew, but I also ended up in places that I had never been before, meeting people I had never known. There were a lot of Celebrate Recovery groups along the way, because I, I ended, I was like, well, I might as well call and see if they need speakers. Because at that point, when you finish the 12-step program, you are, um, you're allowed to give your testimony. And so I had already created a testimony, already done it in my home group. So I could basically travel and do my testimony wherever at that point, because I was so-called authorized to do that. Um, and so I ended up giving my testimony at a lot of CR groups across the country. And there were a lot of divine appointments in that, too. Um, so it was just super cool. And uh, it it helped me practice living in uncertainty. And it helped me practice understanding that God is provider. That was another huge lesson is the understanding that God really does mean it when he says he's going to provide. Because there were times where I didn't have enough money to get from one place to another. And out of the blue, somebody would hand me money. Or I didn't know if I was supposed to go north or south, but I felt like the Lord said south. And I would just drive in a direction and get a phone call and it would be confirmed and I would know where to go. Like, you, it was just crazy, but in a good, fun, adventurous way. When you say a divine appointment, give us an example of what that means. All right. So one of the best stories, and I wrote a book about this called Crazy Might Be a Blessing in Disguise, all about this adventure. One of the best stories is I was in California and staying with a friend, um, and I didn't know where to go. I had no idea where to go. I just knew that the Lord was asking me to leave. And I sensed, no, I'm sorry, this was Texas. I was in Texas and I knew I needed to leave, but I had overstayed my welcome. Like I was only supposed to be at this place, like this family member's house for like two days and like a week had gone by and it was like time for me to leave I knew it was time for me to leave but I had nowhere to go and I just kept feeling like the Lord was saying go south go to Houston but I couldn't get any confirmation of anything in Houston even though I kept reaching out to different CR groups and places to see and I was like all right Lord I'm just gonna go I'll book a hotel if nothing comes up. I'm just going to trust that you want me to head in that direction. 
I got in the car. I was at peace completely, headed in that direction. And no lie, an hour later, or maybe two hours later, I got a phone call from somebody in Houston saying they had gotten my voicemail three. They, they had never gotten my voicemail, the one I left three days ago. And I knew that the reason they didn't get it was because the Lord wanted me to trust him. Like, like there, there was a whole divine setup for me as well in that mm-hmm. process. And they said, sure, you can come and you can stay two days. And I ended up staying two days and having a great time and giving my testimony and impacting a lot of lives. And, you know, I mean, that's the kind of thing, divine appointment. Just you, you're supposed to be in this place at this time for this purpose. You don't know what it is really, but when you get there, you'll find out. And then you get to make a difference in somebody's life. It's just amazing. Well, the, the trust, how difficult was it to make from feeling like you wanted things to be in control? That's where the anger comes from, right? Where things aren't the way we want them to be. To just saying, I'm I'm releasing everything. How difficult was that? And what were the steps? It wasn't like one day I'm holding on to everything so tight I can't let go to, oh, I'm just letting it all go. Was there, what was the process to get there? Uh, it was a process. Um, there was healing, you know, as part of that situation that I mentioned. Um, there was the switch to lordship mindset. There, Then there was the um, trust expectation that I had to trust that everything was going to be okay if I wasn't trying to control it. Then there was the all right, I'm going to take a risk and, you know, I'm going to have a mustard seed of faith that it's going to work out. (laughs) And then over time, when those mustard seeds of faith become like, oh, this is working out and oh, it worked out again. At some point you stop being a mustard and you start just start, you just start knowing like, all right, Jesus, I know you're going to work this out. Um, But there are baby steps along the way. Like you said, it doesn't happen overnight. It is a process. But the most important thing to remember is you have to keep trying. If it doesn't work out once or twice, don't stop. Just keep going. It'll be okay. And just keep moving. Yeah, it's there's so much in our, our brain's wired to keep us safe. So it, with that safety is, you know, I have to be in control because I trust me. I don't trust anyone else. And it sounded like you were having trust issues with this, you know, situation you were in. So then to say, you know, I'm trying to hold it all together. It's not working. And I'm just going to let go and let God and see what happens. So what's been the difference in your life when you're, you decided to say, I'm relinquishing control over my life and my circumstances to God, rather than Chris trying to hold it all together? It's been that supernatural piece that I keep talking about. I I can't imagine my life. Like, I can't go back. I'm at such a point of understanding God's provision, God's lordship, God's ability to take care of me that I can't go back. So every situation that I encounter, yes, the human feelings are there. I still get angry. I still get upset. Sometimes I still snap and say and do things I shouldn't say. But there is a huge, quick 
refocus, recovery, confession, repentance, dear Lord Jesus, I, you know, screwed up again. <laughs> um, and supernatural peace shows up. It's just, it's amazing. But I had to go through the brokenness and the release and surrender to get there. And even when you, you say peace, it's, I don't know if it, you can even, because you said it's inexplicable that it comes that you're saying this doesn't make sense. And there was a situation recently where I said, I can choose anxiety or I can choose peace. And I feel this is how I have to interpret in my head that whenever I'm choosing anxiety or anger or some emotion that's causing me to feel out of control, I feel like I'm giving in to what the devil wants me to do. Like I'm, I'm going to that other side, but when I'm choosing peace, I feel like I'm, I'm on God's team now. And that's how I have to do it in my head. What team do I want to be playing for today? Because I, yeah. I, I want to make sure that, you know, you're, you're sort of shaking things up in the spiritual realm as to saying, no, that that's exactly where you want to take me back to that place of anger, back to that place of feeling like, you know, high expectations. I, I need to be in control. Things aren't what I need to be to say, I'm just going to choose peace. And you're not getting it from any substance. There's no substance that you're taking to make you feel peace. You don't have a medicine cabinet full of things like, oh, if I'm feeling this, let me grab this. If I'm feeling this, let me grab this. You're just saying, I'm just going to grab onto God. I'm going to grab onto his promises and his words. And it's just so, <laughs> it's so crazy because you're like, how could I have lived in that, that craziness of of those other emotions when there was this other side always there available to me. And I think that God has to use the hardships. He has to make it so painful for us to decide to change. And that's even, you know, when you're coaching or when anyone's selling you anything, and I don't mean God's selling it to us, but yeah, probably it is. There's <laughs> a marketing plan that they, they go from that pain to that joy. You know, what's the pain that you're having and what's the joy you want to get to? So we have to have some level of pain, the majority of us, to get to that other side. And then once you're there, it's like, why would I ever want to turn around? Why would I ever want to turn back? Like, what's and out there? I think the other thing is you have to, we're all uniquely created and right. we all process things uniquely. And you have to know how you have to process like for me, when I am feeling that that overwhelming sense of anger, pain, sadness, frustration, for me, I've found that journaling is a great space for me to process. Yeah. So I can go to my journal and I can tell Jesus exactly how I feel. Like, I'm not going to lie to Jesus. He already knows my heart. So right. if I'm angry, if I'm upset, if I'm not happy with him, I'm going to journal all of that. And then I'm going to stop and say, Jesus, what do you want to tell me? And then I'm going to place myself in a position of listening. And I'm going to journal what he tells me. Is it audible? For me, it's not. It's more of a sense. 
Right. And I journal what Jesus tells me and I'll read back my journal and I'll be like, oh, yeah, that was Jesus. Like, <laughs> I know that that wasn't me. I couldn't have come up with that. I wouldn't have said that to me. It was Jesus. And so, you know, it's this great two way conversation. And that's another thing is I think there are so many people that don't realize that prayer is two way. They think they're praying to the air and they never hear back. Well, you have to learn to hear back. And that's another thing I help people do is learn to hear back. Well, even as you said that you went on this trip so that you could hear the voice of God. And there are times that I've had audible voices that I could hear like, okay. And then there's other times it's a subtleness. And this other time, it's just this knowing and then there is that journaling and you're saying, well, who took over the keyboard or who took over my my pen or pencil? And you reflect back and saying, I I wouldn't have said that. I wouldn't have wrote that. And I found that the journaling process, just pouring out your feelings, letting them know. And it's too often we come to God in anger and desperation. But if you're coming to him every single day about everything, you know, being grateful, saying, you know, this is. This is just a beautiful day today. Actually went out and walked in Florida this morning and I had to come back and put a long sleeve shirt on. I'm like, well, this is kind of cool. Like cool in <laughs> two different ways. The temperature and just feeling like this is nice. Just just a, a difference. Sometimes my my body and bones misses a little bit of that New Jersey. <laughs> Well, and let me let me clarify that it isn't that Jesus took the pen. It's that I was recording what I was sensing like okay. that that can almost go into some new age stuff. And I, I want to clarify it's not it's not something happening to me. It's me recording what I'm hearing. But you're not hearing anything. <laughs> well, I sensing hearing yeah. like it's and just whatever. To feel like okay, guide me, and I feel like it's a guiding that I'm being guided. I'm being, you know, I'm I'm allowing the portal to open so that I can receive information and and direction. Yeah, it's it's very different. It's very very different. So journaling, uh, having that conversation. What would you recommend to people who are in the, these circumstances that they feel things are out of control, that at times we could reach for something else that we're going to use? Like I said, you know, go to drugs, go to alcohol, go to pornography, shopping. The list is endless of things that we can have addictions to. Why celebrate recovery? Why is that different? Oh, well, I mean, there are a lot of great places you can recover, you know, you can go to therapy, you can do whatever. What I found really neat about Celebrate Recovery is their program. Once a week, they have a uh, open meeting where anybody can show up at the location and listen to the speaker or the teaching. Then they've got after that program, uh, after the teaching or um, testimony, they then break into gender-specific kind of um, groups where you can talk about what's going on in your life. And then the secondary part of Celebrate Recovery is the actual 12-step program. And that's where you are assigned to a gender-specific group and you work through your issues under the 12-step umbrella. 
So Celebrate Recovery provides community. Okay. So you get to see people dealing with all kinds of stuff, and they are pretty open and authentic about their struggles. And they're also really great about doing it in a healthy way. Like, you're not a victim. You're simply working through your recovery. You are um, Jesus's child, and he's going to help you. And it's also because Celebrate Recovery is specifically focused on Jesus, where a lot of other recovery groups, they're focused on a higher power. Jesus is the focus for Celebrate Recovery, and everything ties back to the Bible. Everything ties back to him. And that's another reason I was really glad that I was able to get connected to that program. So if people... It, the. the... The process that it's going to, and I, I think when we feel like we're not alone, like we think that we have this stuff that no one else has, and then we realize that we're, we all are humans and we all have similar stuff, might not be exactly the same. We, As you said, we're all unique. We've been in unique circumstances and relationships, but I've just found that feeling of community wherever it is, is so important and when we can hide and we're not letting people know that we have these struggles, it's like then we're in that shame, we're in that blame, we're in that whole, as you said, victim mentality, nothing will ever change. And then when you're with people and seeing that people are moving forward, that there is a shift, that there is a change, you don't feel so alone. And I think that's another, just when we're trying to deal with things on our own, it's just so hard because we can just spin forever. So there's a community, there's a biblical, there's speakers. What do you think is the best thing that's come out of Celebrate Recovery for you? Again, it's just the process that it helped me get to the other side. It was just, it was what I needed it. I, wh whatever God knew that I needed, I ended up getting there. And it just set me up for everything that happened afterwards. Um, the testimonies were the most helpful. Every other week, there was somebody that was giving a testimony. And every other week, it was like a shot of hope. Because every week that I was there, I was hurting. I mean, it was a hard season and I needed that shot of hope to get me through. So when you're the, the process, just explain that a little bit. Like, what are you doing through the pro is someone doing something to you? Are you doing, what is the process involved? Well, when you're in this 12-step program, it runs alongside the regular Celebrate Recovery. Like every week there's a meeting and it's like any recovery group, except it's focused on Jesus, where people show up, there's a teaching or a testimony, there's worship and praise, and then there's afterwards the small group environment where you can talk about your stuff. The 12-step program happens on a different day with a dedicated group of people. And that program is structured to design to go through the all 12 steps in a way that helps you to um, uh, analyze, 
dissect, look at what you're doing, what influences you've had, um, where you're not surrendering. Uh, like there's, it's a whole program is the best way I can. Is it journaling? Is it teaching? You know, what's, what's your part in that process? What do you have to do? As a participant, your part is to go through the program, to answer all the questions, to have the weekly discussions with your 12-step group, okay. um, to spend time with Jesus, and along the way, to really learn to surrender and let go. Like all 12-step programs, there there's a step where you have to go through and really look at everything, every painful moment that you had, and look at it from an objective point of view, like what was done to you, what was your part, what was somebody else's part. And that process kind of helped me clarify, well, what was I responsible for? Like a lot of it, I wasn't, but I did have some responsibility. Like I didn't have to respond the way I responded, which only added fuel to the fire. <laughs> like. Right. You know, but and so that I had to admit and take responsibility for how much fuel did I add to the fire in response to how I was being treated? Was that one of the more difficult processes of just peeling it back and saying of, of taking that responsibility? And I know for me, it's been hard at times to say, OK. In some areas, I was complicit. And then other areas, I could have been the catalyst, you know, saying something or doing something that, you know, was not going to end well, but couldn't seem to shut my mouth. So <laughs> was that a difficult part for you, just taking responsibility? No, it wasn't. Uh, for whatever reason, I've always been able to take responsibility, sometimes begrudgingly, but I was always able to. And I think it had a lot to do with the authentic relationship I've always had with Jesus, because I can't lie to Jesus. Like, if I know I'm at fault or I know I'm doing something I'm not supposed to do, I can't very well just pretend that I don't know. I might be in rebellion. Like, I know and I don't care. Like, I've been there before, too. Or like, Jesus, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but I don't even care right now. You know, and it might take me a day or two to kind of readjust and get back to, oh, yeah, okay, I shouldn't be doing that. Um, but I've always been able to be true to me and true to Jesus and then realign when I need to realign. I think it's interesting, too, that you did have, like you said, a good relationship with the Lord. And you still said, I need to do something different and I'm going to step into this space called celebrate recovery to help me work through what some of these challenges or strongholds or obstacles might be in my life. So I can get to that other side and then you can celebrate. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I had a crisis of faith during that experience. Like I was like, Jesus, I don't understand you. Like, what is your problem? I had a serious crisis of faith. It was it was like the first time I had ever felt like the Lord let me down in a huge way. And I didn't know how to recover from that. I mean, it, it, for the first time ever, Jesus wasn't coming through for me. And it was painful. 
And so Celebrate Recovery, again, helped me uh, adjust my expectations and realize it wasn't that he wasn't coming through for me. Um, it was that he was using the situation. He didn't create it. He couldn't change it. It's not up to him to change it. It's the up to the other person to choose different things. Right. But he was using it. Like, all right, if that person isn't going to change and you're going to be in that situation, well, then let's use it to make you better. Well, thank you, Jesus. Like, it took me a while to be okay with that. Well, to realize that we have choices within any circumstance or situation we we're in, you know, we get to choose our reaction. We get to choose how we're going to think about it. We're going to get to choose how, how we act towards it. And it's that free will can be like the, the best act of love that God ever gave to us. And the heaviest burden he ever gave to us too, because it's like, we're, we're still little kids. We still would just want to test it. Still going to just stick this, <laughs> this nail into the light socket and see if I get a shock. Just, we have to test it. And we have to say, I don't know if your way is the right way. So I'm going to try something different, knowing full well, I shouldn't be doing it. You know, it's just uh, interesting that we do have to have a sense of humor about our own humanity and the crazy things that we will do. And then we can do crazy things that do wonderful things for us, like your trip across uh, the country. So I, I just appreciate you talking about the Celebrate Recovery because I'm talking about a month of addictions and there's all different things that can just stop us from having that more intimate, more trusting, more peaceful and loving relationship with the Lord and anything that can help us get to that other side to that point that it's it's worth the journey it's worth the discovery it's worth the hard work would you agree i would in fact and i would have to say regardless of the intensity of the emotion you're experiencing we all can benefit from processing through our past mm -hmm. we all carry baggage that we are all at different levels of managing because none of us is perfect. Um, and so I would suggest that if every anyone is looking for an opportunity to grow with Jesus, just go tend to Celebrate Recovery meeting, check it out, and consider using Celebrate Recovery as a growth opportunity. If you don't go in with the emotional pain, it's going to be easier for you to process through and grow. When you go in with the emotional pain, like I did, there's a whole level of processing through the brokenness to get to the growth. That's really good advice because I don't think we'd like to be that introspective to look inside of ourselves to see what's really going on from our, our past. And when we can do that, it's almost like saying, okay, now I can see it. And sometimes we have to look at it from, as you said, a more objective standpoint from we're, we're past that. I'm looking back at someone who was, I was there at that point, but I'm someone different now. Let me look back at it from a, a different perspective and let go of things. Yep. Is that part of the process? Just letting go? Yeah. Yeah. There's that whole, um, that whole step where you have to forgive the people that hurt you. Um, there's a huge release in that. And if you haven't even thought about, like, it might be subconscious, 
Like, I didn't even realize that I was holding on to that. Well, this program kind of helps bring all the subconscious stuff into the conscious just so you can clean the slate. You know, it, it might be a good idea just to do it, to clean your slate, get to a new start, and then boom, you've dealt with everything you didn't even know you needed to deal with, to deal with. Well, I think, too, by by being in a group where there's people at all different stages, because we're mm-hmm. all in recovery all the time, we're all trying to recover from something, trying to recover from yesterday and come into today, that if we can see that if we don't start addressing it now, we're not, and as you say, in maybe not such an emotional space, but in a space of saying, I know that I can be better. I want to have a closer relationship with the Lord. I want to have a better relationships with the people around me that to go in when you're not sick, it's like to decide that you're going to have a healthy lifestyle before you get the the awful diagnosis of doing the right things all along. And this is just another way of having that, I guess, like emotional health, spiritual health is all of that involved. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. And I've heard some great success stories with the program. So that's why I wanted to talk a little bit more. Any parting words of wisdom you'd like to share? Uh, Just um, regardless of where you are in your growth with Jesus, there's always more. Um, Ask Jesus where he wants to take you next and then really move in that direction. And if it's scary, good. (laughs) Like, and I say that because if you want a God that is going to be a God that is of the possible, what kind of God is that? I want the God of the impossible. Mm -hmm. I want the God that is going to change the world in some way and allow me to partner with him to happen, for it to happen. And so, um, you know, that's a lot of what I do is I help people kind of create those growth adventures so that they can go on these adventures with the Lord and get to the next stage that he wants them to get to. Um, and it's great. Just and again, I wouldn't have been able to do this today if I hadn't have gone through what I went before. So this is a fruit of that brokenness. Well, we, we do like to have our guides have a little bit of experience along the path that we're trying <laughs> to get on. Just. Just saying. Yes. (laughs) Have someone who's been there. Well, thank you so much, Chris, for your time and for opening your heart to this process. And I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. It's been great. Thank you so much for pulling into the Hope Station. Wasn't that a great episode? My hope is that this episode brought you hope. Do you want to be a hope giver? I hope so. And how you can do that is to share this podcast, post the episode on social media, write a review or rate the podcast. This helps engagement and boost the podcast out to other listeners in need of hope. So thank you. Thank you for participating. Thank you for helping. Thank you for being a valued listener. And my hope is that you have a great week.